I'm not going to sing. <laughs> you may be relieved to know. Um, you've had the whole story there, just right from the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, right through to the resurrection morning. I want us to think for a few minutes and reflect upon just part of that story. If you saw the publicity, the title is The King, the King on a Cross. I don't know whether you've ever been to one of these leadership seminars or, you know, workshops or whatever. They always ask you, don't they, at the beginning, apart from what do you expect out of the day? I never know how to answer that question. They also ask, what do you think makes good leadership? And, you know, people come up with qualities and uh, eventually somebody says, well, a, a good leader, sorry, a good leader is someone who people follow. And that's true. And for someone to follow a leader, they need to achieve something. They need to get to a place where they're recognized for something or they have influence. Hold that thought. Because in Luke 23, I'm just thinking of that place, that point. You know, in the the, uh, story we heard, the account, we heard that they come to this place called Skull Hill, Calvary. Calvary is the Latin for skull, and that's where we get the word Calvary from. And there they crucified him. They crucified him there. Just a, a very bald statement. And this is the last act pretty much in a just a long and terrible night, isn't it? A great drama has been unfolding. It starts with betrayal. Well, it starts actually before that with agonizing prayer as, as Jesus kind of tries to figure out what God wants him to do and how he's going to do it. And then it goes to betrayal and then abandonment by his friends. Then there's that nighttime kind of a behind-closed-doors court that the Jew, Jewish leaders pull together. Uh, All those witnesses that don't quite agree with each other. So in the end they ask Jesus and then they condemn him out of his own mouth. Uh, And then there's the the official part as he goes to Pilate and then to Herod and then back to Pilate again. And all of them declare him innocent. I think about five or six or more times you can check it through. In the uh, accounts he's declared innocent not just by Pilate, not just by Herod, but well, pretty much by everyone who uh, witnesses what goes on. And then he's just handed over to the religious mob. They surrendered Jesus. Pilate surrendered Jesus to their will. The baying crowd. Crucify him. Let Barabbas go. We don't want this king. That's what's happened. And then he's flogged and he's abused and he goes through pain. And there's this journey of humiliation through the streets of Jerusalem as the sun comes up. Then there's nails in his wrists and he's raised up in the, in the sun as it, it comes up from 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. It gets hot through the day. So there's Jesus hanging between heaven and earth on a nail to a cross. And all through it, he's being asked this question, are you the king? Are you God's anointed? The soldiers kind of ask him, well, they they make this artificial crown of thorns and stick it on his head. And they say, hey, old king of the Jews, yeah, you're the king of the Jews, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll follow you. You see, for three years, Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of God. He's been uh, showing in loads of ways and things he's said and things he's done that he was the one they were expecting, the one God had promised. He'd done so much for ordinary people, doing amazing things, teaching, showing them God. So what is he doing here? Now, what is the king doing on a cross? 
It all comes to a head in these crucial events. And as we kind of sit round the cross, see what the different reactions are. They're, they're there in, in Luke 23, if you can follow it through, you, that you, you can see it. They're different people react in different ways. The crowd watch. The rulers sneer. They're not going to change their minds. The soldiers just kind of go with the flow. Yeah, amuse themselves with a bit of gambling. And then when some of the abuse gets going, they kind of join in as well. Only one person reacts differently. One person changes during the whole process. And that's the person on the cross next door to Jesus. Because there were three of them there at least. And either side, the Bible tells us, there's a criminal who's getting executed for stuff that they'd done that was wrong. And this one of these criminals changes their mind, his mind about Jesus, during the course of the event. Now, why was that? What did he see that the others could not or would not see? Could we go there for a bit? Because if he changed his mind because of what he saw, could we maybe change our minds because of what went on there? What did he get hold of? Well, you remember, he, he sees Jesus praying. See, Jesus prayed in front of this man, uh, just as presumably they're putting the nails, or they put the nails into his hands or his wrists, and as he's raised up on the cross, he prays. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It's an amazing prayer that the criminal hears Jesus pray. He hears Jesus speaking in relationship with God. He hears that forgiveness is possible. That Jesus in this very place, the worst place in history, brings God into it. Praise God. Forgive them. Father, forgive them. Right there, he wants people to be forgiven. He hears Jesus show great compassion and understanding. I don't know whether Jesus is praying Who for when he says forgive them? Is it the soldiers? Is it the others? Is he saying, Father, forgive them. They're just doing their job. They don't realize what they're doing. It's just another day at the office for them. Is he got that compassion that he he always had, which was to to go alongside the ordinary people and the the, the people on the edge and, and to kind of show compassion and care for them? Maybe that was that. We don't really know. He's certainly been on the side of ordinary people all through his three-year ministry. In fact, he kept getting abused and, and, and challenged by the religious uh, dudes because he was hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes and people that you know, they really sh- you know, didn't think he should hang out with. And here he is, <laughs> right through to the end, being crucified with a criminal on one side and a criminal on the other side. He's kind of with bad people right through to there. And maybe that criminal on that side gets that. Does he get that he's offering forgiveness? Does he think, well, maybe that's for me? So what kind of kingship is it? Well, it's a kingship that brings God's involvement into our lives. Jesus does that as he prays. Right there, he asks God to kind of come in and forgive these people, to get right involved. That's what he does. Brings God into our lives. What else might the criminal get hold of? Well, there's a load of talk in this bit about Jesus saving. Um, It's interesting. I'll read you the the bit from, this is the Bible. I just put it on on a script here. 
they divide up their clothes. And in verse 35, it says, The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar. That's the cheapest kind of uh, booze you could get at the time. It was just everyday drink kind of thing. So here you have a royal cup of you know, plonk, as it were, is what they're saying to him. It's part of a, a joke that they have. And they say, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There's a written notice above him which read, the king of, Jew, of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. This rescue word, this word that's all about Jesus rescuing people, bringing God's power into people's lives. It kind of is flowing out all the time, all through this little bit. And the criminal on the cross hears that. This talk of Jesus bringing God's help to people. The rulers kind of admit that he'd done that for everyone else. They say, yeah, you've done a lot of good things, Jesus. You've saved these people. You've healed these people. You've delivered these people from demons. You've done great teaching. You've done all these wonderful things. But th- so they don't deny that. They never did, by the way, right through uh, the first century. No one ever said Jesus didn't do this stuff. They all uh, accepted that he did. Too many people had been there, seen there, done that, and got the T-shirt with you know, two arms in it, you know, where they may have only had one before, if you see what I mean. Save yourself, they say. You see, the rulers think he can't save himself because they think he's not genuine. But it's not that he can't save himself, it's that he won't save himself. And in not saving himself, he's going to rescue many, many, many people. In fact, all who turn to him. And could it be that that seed is growing in the criminal's mind? Lots of talk here about kingship. They keep, it's on the cross, Jesus, king of the Jews. And this criminal sees that God is in what Jesus is doing. God's kingship brings, uh, sorry, Jesus' kingship brings God into people's lives, as I said. So he says to his other criminal guy on the other side of Jesus, he leans across, he says, don't you fear God, he says. You see, he's getting the idea that God's there. God's involved in this. And he says, look, God's here. Steady. Just a minute. Don't you fear God? He said, look, we deserve it. (laughs) We deserve to be on this cross. We've committed offenses. It's a fair cop. We deserve to be here. But this man, again, he says, is innocent again. Another of the he's innocent statements. And then he does an amazing thing. He gets really personal with Jesus. Do you know, see that next verse there? Verse 42, he says, the words he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Do you know, it's the only time in these chapters, in this whole account, that anyone calls Jesus by his Christian name. This guy, the criminal, he sees Jesus. He kind of reaches out to him. He says, I want to be your friend. A personal conversation. He wants to connect with Jesus. He says, remember me. He realizes, he says, you are a king, Jesus. And I want to be part of that. And Jesus responds. He says, you're going to be with me today. 
Jesus promises him a relationship. Jesus doesn't say, don't call me Jesus. He says, yeah, you'll be with me today. This relationship is going to go on through death. So, here's this criminal then. The one person who changes his mind. The Bible talks about repentance. Repentance means change your mind. And he's the one person who does that. Are we going to change our minds like he did? You know, what he did was, he was honest, wasn't he, about himself. He was real about himself. He saw that he deserved it, and Jesus didn't. He said, yeah, I I should be there. He was honest, and he was real about Jesus. He saw that Jesus was the king, and he said, I want to be in, Jesus. I want to be part of it. And he turned to him. He got personal with Jesus. He said, Jesus... Remember me. I want to follow you. So what kind of a king is on a cross? A king who brings God into people's lives. A king who wants us to be forgiven. A king who is for us and and with us. If we'll let him be. And a king who actually will come, as the thief saw, uh, as the criminal saw, this king, he said, will come into his government. He will become the king of all things. And we know that all got started on Easter Sunday. He was risen. And we live under his loving kingdom, uh, in his kingdom, under his loving governance if we follow him. But that's another story. Come along on Easter Sunday if you're not going anywhere else. And we'll be really celebrating the fact that the king is alive and invites us to be part of his loving rule of our lives and everything else. That's enough for me. I think we're going to sing another song in a minute. Can I just say, if if you're interested in following up on any of this, uh, out by the front door on the left-hand side as you go, uh, there's a table and it's got some information about the church here and also some little booklets. There's one that I haven't seen for a long time, but it was good then and I think it's good now. It's called Journey into Life. It's all about how you begin with Jesus. There's another one called uh, Why Jesus, written by Nikki Gumbel, who started Alpha. If you've heard of Alpha, it's a great little book as well. Just a simple explanation of, uh, of what it means to start with Jesus. If you want to pick one up, read it. Uh, if you'd like to talk about it, pray it through. Uh, get in touch with us or stay behind now and uh, we can uh, chat about that. The King on a Cross. <laughs>